Well, hey, good morning, everyone. How are you doing this morning? You picked a great week to show up here on Sunday morning because we're starting our new series, Anxious for Nothing. We are really going to dive into the topic of anxiety. And I want to start with this question. Do you deal with anxiety? As we kind of get into this, I think it's important to kind of understand the details of it because what we're going to be looking at today in week one is overcoming anxiety. And I think for many people, maybe they're a little fuzzy of really what does anxiety mean? And so if you're struggling going, well, I don't know, I'm not sure if I deal with anxiety. Or you might be sitting here going, yes, no, I I am fully aware of what anxiety is. Yes, I deal with it. Yes, I battle it. And so I'm very interested in knowing how to overcome anxiety. We're going to look at God's word because we see the secret to overcoming anxiety is in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. But before we get to the victory and how we can overcome anxiety, I think it's important to look at the definition of anxiety. So remember that question, do you deal with anxiety? And here's the, here's the definition, a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. So maybe you said, no, I really don't deal with anxiety. Have you ever worried in life? Have you ever been nervous in life? Have you ever been at unease in life? Have you ever worried about an event in the future? Or have you ever worried about not being in control And you're not sure of how the outcome is going to happen or what the outcome is going to be? The truth of the fact and the matter is we all deal with anxiety, every single person. And I look back at my life and I experienced anxiety. I didn't know it at the time. I'm 52 now, so I've learned a few things over the last 52 years. But I look back at my childhood and I had anxiety, which I wasn't really aware that's what it was, when I started school. I started school, and you start going to class, and you start getting this homework, and you start having tests, and I had worry about all those details. I can remember being stressed out at a young age, worried about getting my homework done, worried about how well I was going to do on a test. I can remember sitting in class going, please don't call on me. Please, teacher, don't call on me. Jared, oh my goodness, she called on me. I mean, my anxiety at that time was really pinging out. So what I didn't know about myself, and Myers-Briggs really shows a lot about my personality, I'm a huge introvert, and I'm a feeler. So I process everything through my feelings. And so maybe there's some introverts in here that you might be able to relate. I am not energized around people. And it's funny because most pastors are introverts. It's interesting how that works out. But I'm energized by doing a project by myself. That's how I get energized in life. But I also know God wants me to be a part of community. But I also process everything that I hear is through my feelings, which cause me to worry, that cause me to be nervous, that cause me to be at unease in life. And I can remember growing up, again, I didn't know what it was. I didn't realize it was anxiety. I had this feeling within this section, this constant hum 
of worry and unease. I can remember my stomach being in knots. I remember the first time that my teacher made me be a part of a play. I think it was like the fourth grade. I, luckily, we didn't have plays before then. And I'm not saying the school district is there's anything wrong with this. It's good that we're challenged. But what that play did to me, I worried I had to stand on stage. I don't like being on stage, even of today. I don't like the spotlights on me. This makes me feel very uncomfortable. During that last song, I said, God, take my anxiousness away. Speak truth through me. God, use me on how you want to use me. But even back in elementary school, standing on stage, reciting lines in front of the whole entire school caused me to be an emotional wreck right here. My, not, my stomach were in knots, butterflies, yes, all of the emotions. My heart rate changes, my heartbeat, and that is all connected to anxiety. Now, some of you might be able to relate to my story. Now, through life and through ministry and through God's word, I've been able to, to deal with it. I've been able to overcome it. It doesn't mean it's erased from my life. I don't believe anyone in, can erase anxiety fully out of their life. But how can we overcome it? And if you're here going, yes, I need to hear this message my anxiety is up here, and I deal with it, and I'm always in a constant state of worry. I'm always in this constant state of nervousness. And it's important that we really, before we look at the victory and really what God's Word says, it's important for us to really understand the anxiety and the triggers and all that anxiety is before we look to God's healing. So let's look at the cycle, the anxiety cycle. And so this is what happens. We have this thought. So we need to recognize that anxiety starts here in our minds. And it is a thought. And that is the trigger. And it's a thought that leads us to worry. It's a thought that leads us to nervousness or unease. There's this discomfort. And we can feel it right here. I'm a feeler. And the minute I, the minute I feel anxiety, I can experience it right here between my chest and my stomach. The body produces chemicals to let me know that I'm worried that I'm uncomfortable, that I'm, at, I'm not at ease. And these triggers, the anxiety triggers, are numerous. Think about all the people that God gives us in relationships that we worry about. It's very common for parents to worry about their children. And sometimes that's good, and we're going to talk about that we actually need a little bit of anxiety. We should be concerned. But how often do we spend too much time worrying about our children, worrying about our loved ones? And as we grow up, we start worrying more and more. I'm in 52. I'm starting to worry about my parents. There's health issues and medical details, and there's just all kinds of things through the relationships that we encounter that leads to anxiety, that leads to a state of worry. Also, look at the season that we are approaching. This is the most anxious time of year, the holiday season. And what could go wrong in the holiday season? People are going to be stressed out. They're looking towards the holidays, and they're looking towards, okay, first and foremost, are the lights up? People are starting to stress right now, especially half of the marriage, about getting the lights up on the house. The other half of marriage is hoping that the snowstorm comes because, honey, I can't. 
And may that storm last all the way through to January. But then there's the meal. And I know, look, Thanksgiving's coming. Turkey's not worth worrying about. I'm just saying, can we please move that meat to the cow? Not the birds, to the cow. Because then there would be more to worry about on Thanksgiving meal. But so many people are going to be stressed out because they're feeding the entire family. It is a massive meal. And turkey's not easy to cook in the oven. Then think about the finances that are connected to the holidays. At an all-time of inflation, where people really can't even afford the resources to put gas in the car, to pay all their bills, now they're going to feel anxiety about providing Christmas for their kids, which is going to lead to now a whole lot more financial stress. But it's just not people, it's just not the holidays. It, there's so many different things. We can have anxiety over our health. We can have anxiety over our 401k. We can have anxiety just by traveling, like if you have a flight booked and you're going to go to the airport. For many people, that brings a lot of anxiety. I have rules when I fly. Don't eat big meals before you fly. <laughs> I've traveled with many people. I was like, really? You're going to eat that before you get on an eight-hour flight? Like, why are you doing that? I'm hungry. <laughs> Not me. I don't eat. Never been in an airplane restroom. Don't ever want to be in one either. <laughs> There's things that we also, because we are not in control, that leads to anxiety. There is a reason. There is a reason that my wife does not drive when it's just the two of us. She can't put up with me. For some reason, my anxiety as a passenger starts to ping. I cannot stop the car. I can't steer the car. I am not in control. And that actually leads to anxiety. If you ever drive with me, well, please don't let me drive. But if I am a passenger and I do one of these, hey, I'm good. No worries. I react. And so for the sake of our marriage, she goes, you drive. My wife doesn't crash. She does speed. She's from California, so she does roll through some stop signs. I'm the rule follower. She's the rule breaker. She's not here. I can say that this service. But there's things that are out of our control, and I use that simple example, but it's not a joke. Like, I struggle being a passenger, especially in the front seat, to see everything going on because of the way I react. And anxiety is real. This anxiety cycle is real, and it starts with these triggers, these triggers. And I want you to be thinking about what are your triggers? What are the things in life that you worry about that trigger, that make you go to this state of worry? And as a young age, I told you I experienced all this, and I believe because we really, I didn't really communicate this to anyone, so I never really dealt with it. I really never faced it. And what happens is you start developing these bad habits in me early in life. You just kind of push through it. And that leads us to our second point, the anxiety cycle. So this trigger happens, but there's this sense of avoidance because we really don't seek it. We really don't challenge it. We really don't deal with it. And a matter of fact, we kind of just push it. We just kind of suppress it as best we can. And here's the thing about the holidays. January is coming. 
And so that's good news because some people are just pushing through it and they're feeling anxiety all the way through it. They get to January and they're like, ah, got through it. I'm past it. And you might even be able to talk yourself into, okay, I have this temporary relief because I got through it. You push through it. And you have this temporary relief. And this could be about people you worry about. Okay, the news came back. Great. Okay, good. Don't have to worry anymore. But the news from the doctor always isn't positive. Sometimes it's going to be challenging. And what we're doing is we're not really dealing with the anxiety that we're, we're feeling and living and experiencing. We're just kind of pushing through it, but we haven't really addressed it. And you can go through this avoidance, and then you can even talk yourself into its temporary relief. But here's the problem with temporary relief. It's just a matter of time before that next thought comes in that leads you to a state of worry. And so what that leads us to then is more anxiety. And so now you are on this anxiety cycle, and you're just going around and around and around because you haven't dealt with it. And when you think about how God wants us to live our everyday lives, Jesus came so that we could have a rich and satisfying life, a life with peace, a life with joy, and anxiety robs us of God's daily plans for us to be able to experience his joy and peace. And rather experience joy and peace, we are in this state of worry. And there are many lives that get dominated by anxiety, and they're not able to experience God's plans. God's daily plans are about peace and joy. And so in just a minute, we're going to look at the, the verse, God's word, who's going to speak to us. And I just want to say, if you are here and dealing with anxiety, there is hope for you. God's word does not leave us stranded. Hey, good luck. Deal with it. Figure it out. No, God's word is going to be very specific. God's word is going to show us the secret of how we can be how we can overcome our anxiety, how we can overcome our worry. And I'm hoping that brings great comfort. And I'm hoping that you will be able to experience the peace, the peace that comes with knowing God's word and seeking God through your anxiety. And so before we read Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, there's just some interesting facts about the Bible. The Bible is the most highlighted book on Kindle. And when you look at what is the most highlighted verse, you might go like maybe John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, talks about how he sent his son to save us. That's not it. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says love is, love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't boast. There's that love chapter, and it's, it's very popular. It's almost recited at every wedding. That's not the most highlighted passage. The most highlighted two verses in all of Scripture on Kindles, Philippians 4, Verses 6 and 7, and here it is. This is, how we can be, this is how we can overcome our anxiety. Here's what it says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he does. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Okay, there's four things in that underlined part, verse 6. 
that we're going to unpack today in week one. And these are the four things that we need to be able to understand and to live out in order to overcome anxiety. So we're going to look at now the peace cycle. And we see God's word says, don't worry about anything. Now in the King James Version, because it's important to understand translations, it's important to understand the King James Version says, be anxious for nothing. It's talking about anxiety, the actual word anxious. Now again, the English language has many words. That's why it's the most complicated words that mean the same things. Because we need a little bit of anxiety to be healthy. Because there's times we should be concerned. So here's a great example. If you live on a busy street and you have a three-year-old and they're playing out in the front yard, you should worry about your child in the front yard. If a ball goes rolling into the street and they chase after it and it's a busy street, those are the times that they're God says a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of worry, a little bit of concern is going to help you. If you're walking into a dangerous environment, God has given us that discernment saying, wait, this doesn't look good for me. I might need to avoid this. That's the worry. That's the healthiness of worry to keep us on the right path, to keep our children protected that God has in store for us. But what Paul is getting at here. As he says, don't let worry dominate your life. Don't allow worry to be the end all that captures all your thoughts throughout the day. Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians, and this is important for, under, for us to understand. So how do we not let anxiety be the authority in our life? Paul says it like this. He says, there are times that you need to take your thoughts captive. You literally have to be in control of your thoughts. Take them captive. Jesus said it like this on the Sermon of the Mount. He says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Jesus is saying, just live in today, and God will give you everything you need today. So don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about the future. Don't waste your time with that unnecessary thought that leads to worry and stress and unease. Because then when tomorrow comes, God again, what Jesus is saying, is going to give you everything you need. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Because so much of our anxiety about worrying about this uncertain outcome is out of our control. When you think about anxiety, it starts in our minds. It's a trigger, and it triggers us to an unhealthy place. There's nothing healthy about anxiety to the point where it dominates our lives. So it's unhealthy spiritually. It's unhealthy physically for us. It affects our well-being. It affects our health. And what God is saying is, you need to trust in me. So are we trusting in God when we don't know the outcome do we truly believe that God is sovereign, meaning that he is in control of all things? But yet, how easy for it is, is it to worry, to fall into this anxiety cycle where this trigger comes, this thought about someone, something, and it leads us to a state of worry. Paul says to take that thought captive. And really what Paul is getting at here 
is he says, let anxiety be a trigger for you to point us to point two. And here's the second point in the peace cycle. Instead, pray about everything. So we have this trigger, and it's anxiety, and it's leading us to worry. And we say, hope, we take that thought captive. And we're going to allow that anxiety trigger now not to point us to worry, but to point us to prayer. Now look at what's happening here with what God is saying. We're transferring. We're transferring this thought that's on worry. It's more inward focused. We're concerned about something. We're in this state, but it's a state of unease. We have that, 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 that hum that's just humming between our midsection. It's not healthy for us. And what we're doing, instead of focusing on worry, now we're transferring that and we're putting that energy and we're going to go to God in prayer. Let anxiety be a trigger for prayer. You know, I meet a lot of people in life that just don't understand the value of prayer. And we see here that God wants to hear us. Let's look at this. We have a God, a Father, Father God in heaven, the perfect Father. And we are his children. And many of us are suffering in this anxiety. Now, let's go to earthly moms and dads. If my kids were dealing with anxiety, my heart as a father would want to help them. But if my, my children never come to me for that help, they never seek me. They just kind of push through and they just kind of deal with it. And like I was when I was young, and I'm not even aware of it, that would break my heart. And it breaks God's heart when we don't come to him. God wants to hear from you. God wants to be a part of bringing healing to your anxiety. And what we need to do is to allow that trigger to get the focus of, off us and point ourselves to God in prayer. And this isn't a one-time prayer. Meaning this isn't going to be, God, take the anxiety away, amen, and it's gone. There's too many stresses in life. There's too many things to worry about. There's too many uncertain things. But what we need to do is develop this lifestyle of prayer that when our minds get triggered with worry, that we're turning to God and we're bringing it to Him. Because even though many of us don't understand or realize this, we need God's help in this. And 2 Chronicles is a great example of this. The king, Jehoshaphat, leading the Israelites, there's a war coming, there's an army coming, and he knows that this army is going to destroy him. And here's what he says, oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Jehoshaphat is looking for God for help. 2 Chronicles 15 and 16, Jehaziel said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says, do not be afraid, don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Now for us, we take out that army. Don't be discouraged by what? Don't be discouraged by whatever battle you are facing, especially the anxiety battle, understanding it's not your battle. 
It is incredible, incredible to me what God's word is communicating to us, that it starts with our thoughts. It's just a thought. Now, I've never had a panic attack. I don't ever want to have a panic attack. I'm around people that have had panic attacks, and it's not good. And I'm grateful that my anxiety hadn't pinged out. I think I've been very close at times. But really, in a panic attack, there's times where people will feel like the walls are caving in on them, and that is a feeling that they're feeling. But the walls aren't moving. So much of the anxiety is up here. It's up in our mind. And what God is saying, he says, release this to me. Like Jehoshaphat, we need help in this. And what does he do? He goes to God and says, God, I need your help. We need to seek God. We can't push through it. You can push through it, think you have temporary relief, but it's just going to come back. With anxiety, the key to overcoming this has everything to do for us surrendering this battle. Surrender your anxiety battle. Go to God and say, God, I need help. May that be how you start your prayer. Dropping to your knees going, I cannot overcome this on my own power. I need you, God. I need your help. And then what Paul's going to get real specific, there's going to be certain details now of what and how we are to pray. But understanding that the first thing, that anxiety triggers us to prayer, seeking God. And here's the third thing. Tell God what you need is what God's word says. Verbalize your needs. Remember when I said God wants to hear from you? Like scripture is getting so specific and there's nothing, there's really nothing theology complicated with this. That we have a God, a loving God who loves us and he wants to, for us to verbalize our needs to him. Why? He's the all-knowing God. He knows all the needs we need. He knows every need we need in life. He wants to spend time with you. And he wants you to spend time with him. The God of the universe, who's in control of all things, wants to hear from you. He is not a God that keeps relationships at the surface level. That's not the God we worship. This is an intimate, personal relationship. And he wants to hear from you. And he wants to hear your needs. He wants us to verbalize our needs to him. Because he is the almighty, all-loving God, and he wants to help. If you need, in your mar- if you need help in your marriage, he wants to hear that from you. If you need help in your anxiety, he wants to hear that from you. If you need help in any aspect of your life, just to get out of bed, to get to work, to deal with this complicated person, if you need help with anything ministry related, God, I know it's church. God, I know I'm supposed to have a smile on my face, but I'm struggling. I need help, God. I need help to get me through it. And then there's all the other complicated things in life that people are forced to face that they did not choose. I need your help through this scenario, Lord. We have a God that loves us beyond what we can comprehend. 
And he wants to go past that surface level relationship. How you doing? Good. Great. See you next week, God. He wants to hear from you and he wants you to verbalize your needs to him. He wants to hear your voice. And my hope is that we can go to him with our needs, drop to our knees because we need his help. And say, God, I need you for this. Just like Jehoshaphat. This army is too powerful. This problem is too big for me, God. I need you. And thank God he's going to do the battling for us. But he wants to hear from us. Here's the other thing. Here's how Paul wraps up verse 6. And thank him for all he has done. Thank God for the wins. So the trigger happens. It leads us to where we say, nope, we're going to take that thought captive. We're not going to allow anxiety to have authority over our lives. We're going to go to God in prayer. We're going to verbalize our needs to him. And this is how we wrap up our prayer. We thank him for all that he does. He is a good God. He is going to do all the battling. And we come to him and we say, God, thank you. Thank you for healing my marriage. Thank you for healing my children. Thank you for caring for my children. Thank you that I can trust in you for all the uncertain things that my mind wants me to worry about. I'm grateful that you are a good God and a gracious God and a merciful God that we just looked at in Jonah. He lets us off the hooks for our sin. There are so many things we can thank God for. He just wants us to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for who you are. I praise you. Continue to work in my relationships. Continue to work in the ministry that I'm over here at Alpine Church. Thank you. Kids, learn this this understanding of thanking God for all that he does in your life. Thank Thank God for your parents, your grandparents, your siblings. I know siblings spend more time doing this rather than doing this. But maybe it's because you're at war. Maybe thank God for your siblings rather than curse your siblings under your breath when you're not spending time with God. There's so much for us to be thankful for. And if we do this, if we do this peace cycle, look at verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace. This is a promise. This is a promise from our faithful God. If you understand the peace cycle and we don't worry about anything and we go to him in prayer and we tell him our needs and we thank him, this is what will happen. You will experience God's peace, the exact opposite of anxiety, the exact opposite of anxiousness, which exceeds anything we can understand. We might not understand all the details of how this works. It's beyond our understanding, but but Scripture's warning us of this, and it's a good warning. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. I hope this week, if you are dealing with anxiety, you highlight that verse, Philippians 4, verses 2, verses 6 and 7, and you spend time looking at it, you spend time meditating on it, you allow God to really speak to you, and you apply What Paul is communicating here, this is what we do. This is our part. We take our thought captive, that anxiety thought captive. We turn to God in prayer. We say, God, here's what I need. And we thank God for all that he is doing and has done in our lives. And if you do that, the Bible says you will experience peace. You will. 
Usually in Psalm 3, again, nothing's changed from elementary school days. I don't like being up on stage. But God said, hey, you're going to be a pastor. Deal with it. So I'm dealing with it. I say, God, I'm about to get up and speak your truth. Calm my nerves. I seek your peace right now. I do this every time before I teach in Psalm 3. As we were singing the great I am, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to God. God, just calm my nerves. You called me here. Speak through me. May they be your words through the Holy Spirit. Allow me to make this message as simple as I possibly can so that people can respond to your truth. And from being somewhat anxious, taking two steps, God just takes that anxiousness away every time I jump up on stage. He's an amazing, amazing God. And he wants to do the same thing in your life. My hope is that we would turn to him and if you're here just trying to understand who God is, we're grateful that you're here. But you need to be at peace with God with your sin problem. The Bible's very clear, and we all have it. I'm not just singling you out. But before you can experience this peace, you have to put your faith and trust in Jesus on what he did on the cross. And at that moment of believing and trusting in him for the forgiveness of your sins, it says now you receive this life, a life that can experience God's leading, a life that can experience God's peace, my hope is that you would recognize that, that you walked in here broken because of your sin problem, separated from God, but you can leave here reconciled to God, not because of what you do. It's by believing. You don't do anything. It's Jesus plus nothing, but by what Jesus did on the cross. My hope is you'd make that response, and if you have questions about that, please come talk to me after the service. would love to talk to you. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful for you, that we can turn to you, God, and that you will never fail us. And I pray for all those who are here today, who are here this morning, that this message, your message in Philippians chapter 4, I pray that it would speak to their hearts, especially those who are dealing with anxiety, Lord. There is a sense of freedom that we get to experience in our relationship with you, Lord. And that we can be freed, freed of our anxiety, freed from our sin, not because of anything we've done, but because of what you've done. This is all your battle. First, you gave us life by taking our sin problem. That was your battle. You dealt with it. You took the punishment we deserved. And now as we live through life, Lord, again, you want to take our battles from us. So I pray that we would come to a place of surrender that when we would have these thoughts of worry, Lord, that we would turn to you in prayer, say, God, I need help with this battle. I want to surrender this battle to you. And God, that we would verbalize our needs to you. God, we're grateful that you're not a God in the corner of the galaxy that's not connected to us, but you want to be a part of our everyday life. And you want to hear from us. And you want to hear our needs, Lord because you are a good and gracious God, and we're grateful for that. And I pray we would leave here just closer to you, Lord, that intimate personal relationship that you really want us to experience in our relationship with you, Lord, that you are approachable, that there's nothing that can separate us from you. 
And then, God, I pray that we would spend time thanking you for all that you are doing, all that you have done in our relationships and in our lives, Lord. We're grateful for you. I pray that this would be the victory that many people are searching to be able to overcome anxiety, Lord. That we'd fix our eyes on you and that we would live daily lives with peace rather than worry and stress. Help us to accomplish this. We're grateful that you did all the work. We're grateful that your word communicates to us what to do. And I pray that this week we would really surrender this to you, God, and put this into practice. And I pray for any of those who have not yet put their faith and trust in you, Lord. I pray that you bring peace to their sin problem by them believing and trusting in you for the forgiveness of their sins, Lord. We're grateful for you. We celebrate you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.